Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 16 of Genesis chapter 1. We're continuing to read verses 14 through 18. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. I'll stop reading there. Now, in our last study, we were looking in verse 14, and uh, there again it says, and, and God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And then in verse 15, it says, And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven. And we saw that this is the four purposes of the celestial bodies that God set in the heavens. They are for signs, for seasons, for days and years, or for the keeping of time, and they are for lights, to lighten the earth, and and so forth. Now, in our last study, we were looking at how um, the sun, moon, and stars were for signs. And we saw that uh, God uh, uses that word, the Hebrew word translated as signs, uh, in Deuteronomy 6, where he, he says, These words are his commandments. Bind them for a sign upon thine hand. He said the same thing in Deuteronomy 11. And then we considered what the Lord said in Matthew 12 and verses 38 through 40, that an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and no sign will be given to it. Now, if the Lord would have stopped there, we would think that signs are forbidden, completely forbidden. There is to be no sign whatsoever. But he didn't stop there because... Then he went on to say, no sign will be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And, and, and that means that yes, God will give a sign, but the sign will be something that must be found in the Bible, because that is where you read about the prophet Jonah. You have to turn to the book of Jonah, and then you can read uh, concerning Jonah being in the whale's belly. And when we put that together, 
with the statement in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 8, these words are to be bound for a sign upon thine hand. We understand that outward signs, signs outside of the Bible, are not to be looked for. That's what an evil and adulterous generation seeks after. And God will not give that kind of a sign. He's not going to give a sign, in other words, concerning the sun, moon, and stars. If you see solar flares or if the moon's in a certain position, like recently we had the phenomenon of blood moons. And and there were some in the churches who were very excited because of blood moons. Well, no, that, that didn't mean a thing as far as the Bible's concerned because it was an outward sign. You can look for signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars because God says here that he created them for signs. But it's a wrong understanding. It's a wrong thing to look at the literal physical sun, moon, and stars. And to seek a sign there, no sign will be given by God in in that area. No, it, it's not there. Now, when the disciples asked Jesus in Matthew 24, what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Give us a sign. They were not wrong because Jesus then proceeds to to reveal the scripture or to give scripture and and signs in the Bible are permitted. And so Christ gives signs of false prophets and uh, the abomination of desolation and and fleeing to the mountain and so on. And then we read in Matthew 29. Uh, or excuse me, Matthew 24, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Well, there it is that then you know Christ is coming when you look up into the heavens and you see the sun is dark and the moon's not giving its light and and the the stars are falling and then that's the sign of the son of man in heaven and no not physically not literally that's not possible that would go against what Jesus said that an evil an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Anything outside the Bible, anything in the world, or in the sky above, in the heavens, God will not give that kind of a sign. The disciples ask, what will be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And here it is. The sign of the Son of Man is when the heavens are dark, when the light of the sun, moon, and stars can no longer be seen. 
the the sign uh, is darkness in the heavens above. But uh, let's go to Mark 13. In Mark 13, in verses 3 and 4, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? So this is the uh, parallel chapter to Matthew 24. They're asking the same question. And one thing to note, that in Christ's response to them, in verse 22, he said, For false Christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all things. And and again, how can you tell the difference? If um, we're looking for the sign of Christ coming in the end of the world, at the time of the end, false Christs and prophets will show signs and wonders that would seduce if it were possible, which it's not, because God's Spirit uh, holds them fast, but if it were possible, even the elect. How can we distinguish between a false sign and a, a, a sign that is legitimate, a sign that God permits and allows? Well, what are the signs that are in evidence today in the churches. They give the sign of speaking in tongues. They say that's a sign of the Holy Spirit. They give the sign of falling over backwards. That's an evidence of being slain in the Spirit. And and that they think it's a good thing. It's terrible to be slain in the Spirit. But it's evidence that God is not with them. God is not working in them in any way because it's outward things. Just like an evil and adulterous gener- generation seeks a sign in the heavens above, so too if the sign is someone falling back and and if it's someone speaking in a tongue or receiving a dream or a vision and they... They want to tell everyone the sign that God gave them. Again, these are outward things outside the Bible, and we can know, no, that is not from God. God has told us he will not work that way. It is not his program to give those sort of indicators. It It is that still, small voice of God through his spirit as he he uh, leads his people to truth in the Bible itself. In the Bible, you can find information, if God's pleased to reveal it, concerning the time of the end, concerning the biblical calendar of history and, and God's uh, timetable for uh, for various seasons of of the church age and the great tribulation and and when judgment day occurred and so forth. But all the information is derived from the Bible itself and uh, and nowhere else, no 
outer sign of any kind. Let's just look at Luke 21 um, to go along with this. In Luke 21, it says in verse 25, and again, Luke 21 is a parallel passage, chapter, to Mark 13 and to Matthew 24. And it says in Luke 21, 25, And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. And we know when the signs take place. Again, this is parallel to Matthew 24. And Matthew 24 is set in the context of the Lord Jesus answering the disciples' question, What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? And so here is the Lord's response. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. There you'll find your signs. And of course, that's why God gave the, uh, the greater light uh, to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars also the sun, the moon, and the stars. They are for, one of their purposes is for signs, but um, not in looking into the, the sky above, into the heavens, looking for some sign. No, God isn't working that way. Once the Bible was completed, God will not give that kind of a sign. Therefore, it's the spiritual meaning of the sun, the spiritual meaning of the moon, and the spiritual meaning of the stars in which the sign can be seen. And we've talked about this before. The sun identifies with Christ himself. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The moon identifies with the law of God, the Bible. The Word of God, the Bible, reflects the light of Christ, and it is the lesser light in comparison to the person of God himself, but it is his Word that shows forth the light of truth. And then the stars, they point to all those that God has saved, and and God makes them lights in the world to shine in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. These are the light bearers spiritually, and once they go dark, and and the Bible tells us it's immediately after the tribulation, not during the tribulation, not before the tribulation, but immediately after the tribulation, the sun is darkened, and the moon does not give her light and so forth. And then you receive the sign of the coming of the Lord and of the end of the world when that happens. And it has happened in our day, as we know, May 21, 2011, was 
the 23rd year exactly, it was the 8400th day exactly, of the Great Tribulation. It was the concluding day of the Great Tribulation, and all the days since are immediately after, well, the uh, I guess May 22nd would be immediately after we're living in all the days since in those days after that tribulation. And the sign has been uh, in place since that point in time where the, the signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars uh, are in evidence in the Bible. Well, the sun's still shining in the sky. The moon still comes out at night. The stars are still up there. But in the Bible, the, the one place where we're permitted to look for a sign, we see, the people of God see, they understand that the lights of the gospel are out. And, and that's a big, it's a huge indicator, a huge sign of the end, of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let's go back to Genesis 1 and verse 14. Again, um, let there be lights and affirmment of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons. Now, the the Hebrew word translated as seasons is Strong's number 4150. It's translated um, a variety of ways. Uh, it's translated often, many, many times as congregation. That when we read of the tabernacle of the congregation, the word congregation oftentimes is the word translated seasons. And I don't fully understand why God did that, but he did it many, many times. And this word, 4150, is also translated as set time in Genesis 17 and verse 21. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. So God set a time for the birth of Isaac. And, of course, Isaac would be Abraham's only begotten son. And Isaac pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice how God is informing Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah is a, a type and a figure of who? The body of believers. She represents God's elect. And God is informing them that the promised son, remember it's been quite a while that God gave this promise to Abraham, that he would have an heir, and and yet God made them wait, which is what God often does. And there was no response from heaven. God did not answer their prayers seemingly. And, and they even tried to do it themselves um, by Sarah giving her maid Hagar, the Egyptian, to Abraham. And they did have a son, Ishmael, 
through her, but God had a plan. He had a timetable, and now he finally comes, and he gets very specific, very specific, very definite. God is giving a date at the set time, at the set time in the next year, not ten years down the road or five or three, next year, Isaac will come. Uh, or uh, I don't know if they named him yet, but but you will have a son. The promised son will come next year. And again, Isaac is a type of Christ. And as Abraham later would be called upon to go up to Mount Moriah and to sacrifice his only son. And he was about to do it when God stopped him. And God counted as though he did do it because Abraham trusted that God would resurrect him. It was a beautiful picture of God the Father sacrificing God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Isaac is a type and a figure of Christ. Well, what does it mean then? That God revealed to Abraham and to Sarah, who represents the believers, the coming birth of Isaac. Well, it would be a picture of God revealing the coming birth of the Messiah, that God would not keep it secret. Remember that principle? The Lord God revealeth his secret to his servants, the prophets. God informs. He tells in advance of the things he's about to do. And he did it historically with the birth of the type of Christ, Isaac, and he did it in actuality with the birth of the actual Messiah, the Lord Jesus. If you remember in the gospel accounts, first God came to Zacharias and and told him he would have a son, and he didn't believe him, so he was dumb uh, until he named the son who who was later born, John the Baptist. And, and that was all a precursor or prefigure of the birth of the Messiah as uh, they were informed that the Messiah would soon be born. And then Mary was told by the angel of God that she was with child of the Holy Ghost and she ran to Elizabeth and, and John the Baptist leaped in the womb for joy. And we had Simeon who was told by the Holy Spirit that he should not die or not see death, not experience death. And that's the word no, where of that day and hour knoweth no man. It's the same word. Simeon would not know death or experience death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And, and Anna the prophetess was also waiting for Christ to show. And God informed his people. They knew in advance concerning the coming Messiah. And that's how God operates. And this is the word 
the set time, that's the word season uh, in Genesis 1. It's also used as time appointed in Genesis 18 and verse 14. It says, is anything in Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for Jehovah at the time appointed I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. The time appointed is the same as set time, which is the same as seasons, back in in our verse in Genesis 1. In Exodus 23 and verses 14 and 15, it says three times, Thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded thee in the time appointed. And again, that's the word of the month of Bib. For in it thou camest out from Egypt and none shall appear before me empty. And then it, it continues to uh, mention the other feast days. And, and so the feast days are the appointed times. They are the set times. God established these uh, dates for various reasons. The coming out of Egypt um, was the time when the Passover was set. It became the appointed time in year after year. And, and how would those years be counted? Well, by the movements of the sun, the moon, and the stars, and and especially the moon. The, the moon phases would give passage to time from one month to the next month. As the Israelites followed the lunar calendar, and, and, and when one month ended, the, the next month began according to the moon. The sun, the moon, given for seasons, for appointed times, so they could keep track of years according to the number of months. Twelve months pass, one year has passed, according to the movements of the moon. And, and, and yes, that's one way God has established the timekeepers, uh, the celestial bodies that are placed in the heavens. The, and uh, as we'll see, the next statement, it says they're for days and years but also for seasons, because God would um, have the the Jews um, pinpoint a day. This is the day you are to observe for Passover. This is the day for Pentecost. This is the day for the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Harvest. And you are to keep them at the appointed time. The Lord is a very precise God. Everything done in its time, in its season, in its set time. The appointed time that God himself has established. And remember how remarkable it was that the Israelites came out of Egypt 430 years to the self-same day. Can you imagine how... Um, just incredibly precise God must be 
to have a people enter into the land of Egypt in the year 1877 and to watch over them and to allow them uh, to become slaves and 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 to get into the awful situation they were in under Pharaoh and the and the the cruel um taskmasters that oppressed them and and then God to work things out with Moses uh, as Moses uh becomes a prince of Egypt and then flees for 40 years and then God brings him back and has all the plagues worked out one after the other, day after day, on, and yet God has calculated to the very day, this is the day, 430 years to the self-same day, that Pharaoh finally makes the determination, I can't keep these people anymore, go forth, go serve your God. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.